All right, now we're going to welcome in our favorite coach, Coach Fitzpatrick, Greg Fitzpatrick, the dad of uh, Des Fitzpatrick, who uh, has arguably one of his biggest games since he's been at Louisville just in terms of the circumstances and everything. Greg, welcome into the show. How are you? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, Appreciate of course. Uh, we, we brought you on. We were just talking about this. We brought you on about a week and a half before the season started and just kind of broke everything down. And one of the things that you said to us was that the offense was going to be explosive and they were going to make big plays left and right. And we believed you. And we knew that there was potential in the offense. We've seen it for the last couple of years. They got off to a relatively slow start, especially at the receiver position. And what has stuck out to you in the last couple of weeks just with the offense and, and, and with Des particular? Uh, well, what I think has happened is, you know, I think the coaching staff has kind of learned the personnel as far as, you know, uh, as far as how guys react in games, right? You know, the first couple year, uh, first couple games, you know, uh, I think the offense was actually predicated, uh, as far as the passing game was concerned, was actually predicated on uh, getting the getting the football to the slots exploiting matchups and things like that. And the outside guys weren't too involved in a uh, passing attack. And, and I think it all came down to also the quarterbacks getting comfortable, you know, with the new system and the uh, and, and the receivers just kind of finding their way in the offense. So uh, I, I knew I had the potential to be extremely explosive, and, and I knew we were on the verge of it after a couple games. And, you know, I talked to Des, you know, pretty much every day, at least via text. And, uh, and, and I kind of saw it coming. Uh, in the Florida State game, the early part of the Florida State game. Yeah, so I mean, and you kind of alluded to it. Um, my next question, kind of, and you kind of answered this for me, I guess, but my next question was just going to be, you know, back-to-back 100-yard games. Um, he was just a yard short, as was, of, of setting his career high against Florida State. Then against BC, again, tears it up over 100 yards. Um, but but outside of that, too, I mean, you, you had Tutu had over 100 yards. Uh, Seth Dawkins had a career game. Um, so it, it, so as far as getting everybody involved, uh, what do you think has been the, the biggest boost in production? The cause for boost in production is particularly um, as far as Chris or as far as Dez's game goes. Yeah, well, well, first before I answer that question, I want to give a shout out to Seth Dawkins. Uh, like I'm so happy for him and so mm-hmm. proud of Seth. Seth's a, yeah, Seth's a kid who has kind of battled like little nagging injuries, right. you know, throughout his career. And, uh, you know, when I was watching the game and watching those guys warm up, you know, I looked at Seth. I said, wow, Seth's got a lot of bumps in his legs, man. I think mm-hmm. Seth's going have a big game. And uh, just for me and, you know, him being one of Dez's close friends on the team, you know, they came in together and right. I just kind of, you know, just kind of watched those guys kind of grow up in the program. I was extremely happy for Seth as though he was my own kid. Right. And, uh, and, and I think that's just attributed to, like, their hard work and believing in their coaches. You know, you know, believing in Coach Brew when Coach Brew tells them, you know, you guys keep on grinding, keep on blocking, keep on doing what you're doing. You know, the football will eventually find you. You know, and that's one of my models to, you know, both Dan and Chris. It's like, look, guys, if you want to be a complete receiver and you want to make plays, you always have to have the right mindset every game. And you start that off by blocking the hell out of a guy and letting him know that it's going to be a physical game all game. And every time you block this guy, he doesn't know if whether or not you're going to block him or run a, run a route on him. Right. The guy's going to be on his heels, you know, and you're going to make it difficult for him. And I think because, you know, Dez and Seth have been just – and Justin Marshall, they've just been so physical, you know, throughout the entire season when it comes to blocking. I think that they caught a lot of guys off guard, you know what I mean? Right. And, uh, 
and I, yeah, and I think that you know now you know Malik, and then the uh, and then the young guy, you know th- those guys feel real confident throwing the ball and letting their guys make plays now. You know earlier in the season you would see them hold on to a couple balls, you know, but now they're they're letting the football go, and, and and I just think it's attributed to being just more comfortable in the system, right? You know, just being more comfortable in the system and and, and trusting everything. So, and you said, so they've been catching guys by surprise the last couple of weeks. Is this something that's sustainable? You know, is this something that you see um, now that, that we kind of have a quarterback situation where it seems like guys are getting more comfortable behind the offensive line? It seems like the offense is working uh, more cohesively. There's more balance between that pass and rush attack. Um, is this something that you can see continuing, or do you think that this is more of a, you know, what we saw the first couple of games? Uh, yeah, no, I, I think it's going to continue because uh, – I don't know. Bears had five catches in that game, mm-hmm. and every catch was a different route. You know, I don't know if anyone noticed that. You know, out of his five catches, all five of them were different routes. And then he had two more targets. One of them he let get through his hands, and the other one was a, uh, a deep ball down the sideline. But, you know, they're mixing it up a lot in that passing game. And, and, and I see the passing game evolve. You know, I, I see plays that I didn't see earlier in the year. And, uh, you know, and, and I've always said it. You know, Coach Coach Sat, he knows what he's doing. He, he's a, a very bright offensive mind, and that offense is evolving right before our eyes. Yeah, I, I think you're you're spot on there. And one of the things I've been curious of with Des in particular, especially early on in the season, which I got to say, Greg, one of the things that really stood out was Des's blocking. I know he's been. Uh, you, I know one of the things you've told us is that he is really striving on being an all-around wide receiver. And for him to be able to block in the run game off that, like that, knowing that he's not getting the targets that he probably deserves, is it's kudos to just everything about the kid and how he plays. But when it comes to the first couple of weeks and Des getting one target, two targets, three targets, or, and the catch is not really being there, do you think that has more to do with, uh, with Louisville's offense early on with putting an emphasis on running the football and being able to do so successfully? Do you, do you see it as the quarterback struggling to make those outside throws? Uh, I know you said you mentioned the inside receivers really kind of stri- uh, really becoming successful early on. Or do you think it was the way that defense is planned to take away Dez as Louisville's top guy? No, because, you know, I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of people don't know, but in a passing game, you know, a lot of players are called for particular players. And that's in any passing game. Some passing games have more progression, like you go to your first read, second read, and third read. And some, you know, most RPOs, you know, you don't go through that many progressions, right? Because, you know, there's a run option there. So there's not enough time to go through two or three progressions most of the time. You know, there's a play for a player that should pop open. And uh, and I just think that it's really just a uh, – it's just a function of just the offense kind of evolving and the coaches – feeling more comfortable with the overall passing game because remember the overall passing game, you know, includes the line, the quarterbacks, the receivers, and the type of team that we're playing. Right. Right? You know, like I, I would hear people say that, you know, Notre Dame's secondary was so good that we couldn't do anything. It's like, ah, I was watching those guys get beat off the line. They played a lot of first coverage and couldn't really get a hand on anyone. It's just that we didn't decide at that time to try to exploit some of those matchups because our passing game was still maturing. You know, and why go chucking it all over the yard? You know, and this is just my theory. Why go chucking it all over the yard in the very first game in front of the home crowd on national TV? And, you know, we haven't really evolved as a passing team yet. 
right. and start throwing a bunch of interceptions and lose by 40, you know? So I, I just think that the entire offense is just starting to gel and guys are starting to make the plays that they're supposed to make, you know, because we're calling those plays and we're evolving as an offense. Right. And on the topic of, you know, the, especially the passing game in particular, maturing and evolving, uh, like you're talking about, I, We've heard that Wake Forest has a couple really good, solid cornerbacks, but how difficult is it for a defense to try to stop three receivers like they'll have against, uh, you know, with Dez, Seth, and, and Tutu, uh, trying to cover them, you know, at the same time, not to mention the running of, of, of Hawkins and the dual threat ability of, uh, of McHale? Well, I, I said it earlier, uh, earlier in the year, that, you know, because of, because of the level of skill that we have on offense, and if everything, you know, started to gel and started to click like I anticipated that it eventually would, and, and, and I didn't know whether it was going to be the, you know, second game or the eighth game, right? Right. You know, none of us, none of us knew how quick it was going to gel, and because uh, none of us are actually at practice, but it's gelling a whole lot faster than I thought. You know, we've got a couple special running backs. You know, I said that earlier in the year. Those guys are super good. But not only that, you know, we've got a couple – Really, really good tight end. I mean, we Marshawn Ford is a very good player. That dude can play. Right. That dude is dangerous when he gets the ball in his hand. You know, and, and that's another weapon that we have that, you know, all of those guys are going to be utilized, you know, in conjunction with each other or, you know, one at a time, depending on who we're playing. Like, the, the coaches are going to exploit matchups. And I always tell Dad, like, dude, look, if, if it ain't your day to get 15 passes, then do your part. Do your one eleven on that offense and make sure that you're doing your job and making an impact because losing hurts a whole lot worse than not catching a bunch of balls. Right. You know, I yeah. mean, it, yeah, it, it's tough when you're not catching balls and you're losing. And yeah. That was last year. I, I think it's interesting that you say that because – and maybe I'm way off here. You would probably know more than me, but I felt like when, when Jalen Smith went through the draft process this past year, that part of the reason why he went undrafted – was not so much his talent. Like people knew he could play, but it was the fact that he was on a team that was two and ten, and he wasn't producing. So I think that you're exactly right. I, I think it's really interesting how not just Des, but the whole team has bought into this philosophy for even for guys who move positions and know that it's going to take them a year or whatever it is to get on the field. Just to see them buy into this new philosophy from the coaching staff. Have you have you seen that as well? Absolutely. I can tell you this. One of the things that I would always do after the games last year is just, you know, because they're kids, you know, and I'm a dad. So, you know, I'm not only looking at dads when he's looking, coming out of the locker room and just trying to gauge, you know, how he's feeling. I would see all those other kids who are familiar faces and, you know, it would just tear me to pieces how sad those kids look. You know what I mean? And uh, and you can tell it was it, it was not as much about the loss as it was just their college football experience, right. if that makes any sense. Just their overall college football experience. You know, that's what hurt, you know, as a dad for me the most, is that, you know, my son wasn't enjoying college football. And I think Coach Satin and his staff has just made it a priority to come in and first get those guys to love football again and to love being at that facility and to love the University of Louisville. And all of those guys – and, and – Hats off to, you know, Coach Sapp for, for turning this thing around as far as attitude and effort like he always preaches. You know, he turned that thing around instantly. And 
and those kids bought in. You know, I watched my own sons, you know, you know, uh, I, I don't want to say negativity, but just some, some of his apprehension in the very beginning with a new staff coming in. I just watched that turn around, you know, mm-hmm. and he loves his coaches and he loves his team. And, you know, he knows he's got two years to be here to turn this thing around, you know, and when he leaves, you know, you would want it to be better than it was when you got here or at least as good as it was when you got here because this is going to be your alma mater for the rest of your life. You know, you don't want to leave until this thing is right and you've got two years to help make it right. It's interesting, you know, when, when you tell me just like the sadness and kind of the – It breaks my heart. The, the overall experience that they're having here. Uh, I think about a guy like Mickey Crum. I don't know why it just come, comes to mind, but – um, I remember I remember somebody making a comment that was just happened to be standing next to me watching his last game. Um, he was ejected from the game. Well, he was ejected from the game, right? Or, yeah, but he, he never left the field. And then, and then Louisville the fans, field. yeah, and they put it on Lorenzo Ward for not right. being disciplined enough. Yeah, right. But, but to me, I was my immediate reaction was, I mean, wouldn't you like if you've been, you know, that's a guy that's been just just killed by injuries his entire career. Yeah. Um, had the un, the misfortune of, you know, Cole Catania, an NFL caliber tight end kind of came in and took his job for yeah. two years. And then, and then you go into like the, you know, he was here for five years and then that's how he's finishing his career. And there were lots of seniors that were the same way. You know, he was obviously the most vocal about it. Um, but there were a lot of guys who kind of, you know, had to deal with the impact of that, that negative culture. Um, so to me, um, to see the scenes in the locker room after, you know, even beating Eastern Kentucky, um, but especially this week getting the first conference win in, in, in almost two years. Um, yeah. To me, just that cultural transformation from, um, you know, that moment of seeing Mickey Crum, you know, and Louisville's down by 40 points against their arch rival in the final game of the season. Yeah. And, you know, their head coach just got fired two, year, two weeks prior. Like, th- right. there's just su- such a transformation. Yeah, and, and I and I think that what's and, – and, Greg, you can – Correct me if I'm wrong here, but I feel like guys like Gigi Robinson and Amante Caban and and Dez and Seth, they've been here from the beginning when things were really good. And now I, I feel like they wear it on their chest that they have to get Louisville back to where it was when they got here. Am I wrong there, Greg? Do you think that that's kind of – some of those guys have kind of taken ownership of this program from the player side, trying to get it back to what it was no, when no. they first got here? You hit the nail on the head. You hit the nail on the head. And that's all part of, you know, trying to mature, you know, as a, as a young adult and as a uh, football player and a leader and, you know, having love for your program and your university. You know what I mean? You know, having love for your program and university. I, you know, I, those guys, like when a lot of people thought that Dez was going to transfer when things got really, really tough. And one of the conversations that he and I had is I told him, I said, Dad, listen, man, I said, there's no way on earth that this thing is going to stay the way it is. I said, they're going to get the right coach in here. I said, God didn't put you here at this university for things to be this bad. Your college career isn't supposed to go like this. So just put your head down, continue to work your butt off, and just do whatever is required of you when that new coaching staff comes in. And, you know, and I had to, you know, I had to kick him in the butt a couple of times in the very beginning because, you know, it was change and, you know, and, and he's nervous about, you know, you know, his football career, you know, his college football career. And, uh, and I think he sees the first thing that he saw is that, yeah, these coaches like really care about us. Like these are really nice guys. They're really nice people. They, they, they care about us just as people. 
and I think the entire team is just kind of bought into it, and they play hard. They play hard. That's that's why if I'm on Twitter and I see anyone being negative about the team, just ignore them. It, it kind of, ignore them. Yeah, it kind of pisses me off. It yeah, pisses me off too. Like, you know, yeah. Why why be so cynical? Like these these kids were two and ten last year. Yeah, and it wasn't their fault. Greg, there's something you know, about this fan base. They're so entitled sometimes. Like I mean, one of the traditions is having yeah, meltdowns when they go down by seven. It's just the way it is. Yeah, and, and, and for me, I think that. You know, the players, even last year, you know, I think Dan's made a comment and said, you know, like when I look up in the stands and the, the, the fans are leaving in the middle of the game, and I'm like, wow, Coach, why are they leaving? You know, a lot of people gave him a hard time about that, but most of those people don't understand that those kids, when they, if you've never been a player, and I'm not going full-on athlete guy, right, but if you've never been a player – then you can't attest to how a kid feels when he runs out of the locker room and sees that the stands are full, sees that the fans are cheering, right. and that atmosphere is part of what fuels him. Yeah. You know, and, and if and if you want to be a big program, you know, Louisville has all the facilities. You know, they have the coaching staff now, and everything is here. Mm-hmm. You know, but there's a responsibility also to some of those, some of those great schools. They have knowledgeable fan bases yeah. who know – their position and their place in the recruiting process and, 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 and what kind of what part they play in the overall success of the team. You know what I mean? And, and if you don't have anything really nice to say or you really don't know what you're talking about, you really should just kind of let it all play out. Mm-hmm. And if it's entertainment, then it's entertainment. But if you're a hardcore fan, then be a hardcore fan. Yeah, right? and, and I think uh, uh, Saturday – Presley and I were at the game uh, working from the media side of things, but the 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 stadium, I you know, I, I kind of figured it was going to be a less attended game just because it was Saturday, a noon game. Louisville fans are weird. You've probably figured that out by now. Uh, but the fans that were there, it, it was it was loud. It was really loud. The oh, third down play where Anthony Johnson was, got the interception, rocking. I took a video of the crowd. And, yeah, there's a bunch of empty spaces in there. But just the way that they've closed the stadium off and the fans that were there, it was so loud. I mean, it was it was close to what Notre Dame was, maybe, you know, just a little bit less. I thought the atmosphere was fantastic, but it was at noon, and Louisville fans hadn't had enough to drink yet. So it kind of is what it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, let, let's talk about – and, and, and God bless the fans. I'm not ragging on the fans. You know, I'm just a hard, hardcore football junkie, and I'm a, and I'm a fan above yeah. anything else. I'm a fan of the team, Yeah. you know. And I, yeah, I, he, he, yeah, I'll be a fan of the team from now to the end of time. And Louisville's one of my teams now. Yeah, and you know? I, I think you've probably seen this, but Louisville football fans are when, – when Louisville football is playing well, and I'm not talking about necessarily winning, but just playing hard and trying to compete, unlike what we saw last year, unfortunately, at times, the fans are there. And you're going to get fans who care, and the more that they win, that's when you know some of those more casual fans will show up, and they'll put plans Absolutely. aside on a Saturday morning. Um, instead of, you know, and going to the game and actually kind of, you know, being there to be a part of it. Uh, but as far as is the, the quarterback situation goes, we've seen it's Scott Satterfield and Frank Ponce really be able to coach these guys up. In, in your mind, is it the system just kind of clicking with them? Is it, the, you know, the film watching of being able to find spots in the defenses? What, what do you think has kind of been the biggest reason for the turnaround the last few weeks? I mean, if if I had to guess and just knowing what I know about college football in general, I just think that these guys are being coached hard, you know, and, 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 and one, one thing I do know is that they have a great staff and I know that they coach hard. Like those guys coach them hard 
and those kids buy in and believe. So the, the coaching is a whole lot more, let's just say, efficient, right? Because when, when guys are buying in, you're going to have efficient and effective coaching. And I think that, you know, the system starts clicking for guys, right? Because, you know, you go from getting a new coaching staff in, adjusting to the culture, adjusting to the different scheduled times and things like that, and acclimating to what they do differently than you've done the last two or three years. Then you're trying to learn the playbook. Then you're trying to get accustomed to the new strength and conditioning coach. So, you know, I just think it took a few weeks for everyone you know, and, and that's including the receiver for everyone to just kind of hit their stride and start gelling and fully understand, you know, what coach that is trying to do. And, and, and I just think it's just a function of those guys just digging in and buying in. Absolutely. You know, I, and, and I know there's quite a few guys that are doing extra film study. You know, I know that for a fact. There's guys in there doing extra film study, and uh, and, and I think they're competing. You know, you, you, you got a quarterback room with three guys competing – you know, every day to try to win the job. Coach, we want to get you out here, but before we do, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask um, about your other son, Christian. Obviously, Louisville's still kind of been in his ear a little bit. Um, obviously, he's coming back and forth uh, with you to Louisville for some games, uh, but it sounds like he's got an official visit set up for the Clemson game. Um, what's going on with his recruitment? And, and also, I, I'm interested here, too, um, kind of what a recruit like Christian would think about um, the game against Boston College on Saturday with with the you know electric passing attack for the last couple of weeks. Well, well, I can tell you that uh, Christian he he's been watching the Louisville games because you know at the end of the day you know he's he's verbally committed to Washington State, but the only school that he's going to visit is Louisville, right? Mm -hmm. That's the only other school that he's going to visit. You know, he's narrowed it down and he said, "Well, Dad, you know, I'm going to go on." When going on an official visit, I promise that I go on an official visit, so I'm going to go ahead and do it, and I'm going to watch the games to make sure that, you know, I don't want to go there. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And from game one up until now, you know, you can see the offense evolving. You can see right. what they're trying to do with the offense. You know, you see that it's not just a run offense or just a pass offense. You know, there, there's – you know, they're, they're getting to some balance, right? So I, it may be 60-40 now, I'm not sure. But, you know, it's becoming more and more of a balanced offense. And, uh, you know, like I told Daz earlier, like, dude, as long as they're, like, taking shots, man, and you can make big plays, you know, eight targets, you should be able to go over 100 yards, and you guys should make plays and win games if you're getting eight targets. You should be making plays. You don't need 15 to 20 targets to make plays. So Christian has been watching the offense evolve in that respect. And, uh, you know, he's, he's got a little smirk on his face. and He's excited about uh, going on the official. I'll tell you that. Right. I definitely agree with you. I think we're starting to finally see, you know, Satterfield's, you know, quote-unquote, like, vision of what he wanted his offense to really look like in terms of uh, a little bit more balanced and, and taking the shots downfield and making those shots as well now that we're seeing a little bit more of improvement on the passing side. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, if you're you're an outside receiver, you know, Louisville's not a bad place to be. Yeah, not, 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 not after the, what we saw. Not the last couple of weeks, that's yeah. for sure. Well, Coach, thank you so much for, for your time and, and for joining us on the show again. We'll love to talk to you in a couple of weeks once we get closer to the end and, and really can kind of look back on how things were. Appreciate your time. For sure, guys. Thanks for having me.
Thanks, Coach. Have a good night.